Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What's up, friends? Grant Bolton here, and I am really delighted to have you listening in on episode 453 of the Speaker Lab podcast, where today I'm going to be joined by one of our own, one of our coaches here at the Speaker Lab, uh, Miss Brittany Richmond. Now, not only does she do some uh, coaching with us, but she's also one of our former students, and uh, she's an incredible speaker who regularly impacts thousands of young people through her talks about managing and overcoming anxiety. Now, as Brittany realized the difference that she was making one-on-one as a counselor, she started researching how to become a professional speaker, and uh, Thankfully, a Google search brought her to our podcast, this one you are listening to right here. And of course, the rest is history. Now, the youth audience can really be a difficult market to get into. It's a uh, it's it's just a, it's got some challenges to it. But if anyone can do it, it's definitely Brittany. And with a background in psychology, she's always been uh, well positioned to make a difference in the mental health space. Throw in a couple of years of experience as a volleyball coach. And you've got the recipe for someone who can really reach students where they are at. And so today, young people are increasingly demanding open and honest conversations about mental health, and Brittany is pioneering that response. So talking about sensitive subjects like anxiety and coping mechanisms can be challenging because of the vulnerability that comes with relating to your audience. And so today, Brittany is going to walk us through how she avoids oversharing while still revealing the parts of her story that help her to relate to her audience. And just like she does in her talks, Brittany gets vulnerable and real with us on on the show. It's an incredible honor to hear her story of her own mental health diagnosis and also her path to victory and resilience. So if you've ever struggled with anxiety or feel limited by a mental health diagnosis, then Brittany's story is for you as well, whether you're a speaker or not. So let's get right to it. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Here's my conversation with Brittany Richmond. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Hey, I'm super excited because today we're chatting uh, with our homegirl, Miss Brittany Richmond. Now, I say homegirl because she actually uh, works here at the Speaker Lab and is a uh, is a phenomenal, phenomenal team member and works with a lot of our students. And uh, not only that, but she is um, uh, more than talking about speaking. She's really leading the way with speaking, uh, especially in the in the youth market. So she does a lot of speaking herself. Works with a lot of our students and showing them what's working and uh, how that they can uh, accomplish this as well. Now, you and I uh, were talking right before we hit record here that you discovered <laughs> the Speaker Lab through the podcast. I didn't. I don't know if I knew that. Is that yes, true? Yes, actually, um, I literally Googled one day like how to be a professional speaker, and the first thing that popped up was the Speaker Lab podcast. So that's how I found hmm. it. So. Nice. Do you remember what the first episode was or the first few that you you listened to? I don't recall. I want to say it was something with Michael Hyatt. I, I feel like that okay. sounds familiar, but I mean, I literally binged it. So 
there were a bunch of episodes that day. <laughs> There's a bunch of, I, I know like times I come across a show and I like just go to town yes. on it and then like they all run together <laughs> in my head, but I, I know I listen to a lot of them. So uh, full circle moment to have you here now. This is super exciting. Now, first of all, for some context here, uh, like we touched on, you're, you're doing a good amount of speaking. Your speaking business has been growing over the past couple of yeah. years. Give us some context now on who do you speak to? What do you speak about? Oh gosh, yes. The momentum has been crazy. I speak to teenagers, particularly high school students students, some college students on overcoming anxiety. So that's my specialty. Um, I work a lot in the youth market and I try to stay in the high school space, particularly because that seems to be a population that's struggling a lot with their mental health right now. And that's definitely the feedback I get, which is why I feel like momentum has been crazy in 2023. That's cool. Now, uh, as you well know, like one of the biggest challenges that a lot of speakers that we work with at the Speaker Lab have is when we talk about the speaker success roadmap, that speak framework, that S, selecting a problem to solve. And we talk about there's two key parts to that. So number one is who do you speak to? Number two is what problem do you solve for that audience? So I want to spend a minute talking about that. So for you, let's start with the second one there of like what problem do you solve? So talking about mental health. Now, you know, it's not, this is not a topic that you just pulled out of a hat and like, ah, oh, this, you know, seems like there's opportunities there. Like this has been a bit part of your own story. Mm-hmm. So I'd love it if you could share a little bit about that kind of some of, of what your own journey has been, been with in, in terms of mental health. Um, well, in the short version, not super great when I was young, that uh, as the great Rory Vaden says, you know, we're most powerfully positioned to serve the person that we once were. And it really mm-hmm. wasn't until I got into the speaker lab that, that really hit me. You know, I really felt, I mean, I was speaking a little bit before that kind of on anything and everything, just like really wanting to get out there as a speaker, not having any direction, didn't really lean into my own story significantly. Um, there's a lot of shame in that. I think I felt, um, and just for some context for your listeners, I, I, I do live with multiple anxiety disorders, including an impulse control disorder called trichotillomania. It's actually where you pull your hair out in response to anxiety. Um, these are just parts of me that I, I really started to see take hold when I was a teenager, like just really, you know, living through more suffering, you know, from those situations. And that's, that's really what I wanted to lean into is how to help teenagers kind of transition from that suffering from mentality to living with like learning to overcome and manage, um, our anxieties and our depressions and how we can proactively, you know, evolve through that. And I often tell them, you know, I don't, uh, practice what I preach. I preach what I practice. These are things that I have battle tested for 15 years, you know, things that I still, you know, utilize and and do today that help put me in this position of being able to serve them. And, um, so yeah, that's really the high level view of what it has been like for me. It's, it's been a, a struggle, but let me tell you how healing it can be to be so vulnerable with your story and, and how much courage there is in vulnerability and how much, impact you can create by sharing, you know, the things that you have gone through, which I've experienced. So. Wow. That's really cool. What, when you were a teenager dealing with battling with a lot of this stuff, what, how did you cope with it? How did you deal with it? What did you do? Uh, like you kind of alluded to it. My assumption would be there, is there a lot of shame or guilt or, you know, what did I do wrong? Or am I pointing the finger at someone else? Like what, what was that like growing up with some of these challenges? Uh, isolating is definitely the word I would say very lonely. Even, you know, it wasn't that long ago, like 2005 was when I graduated high school and 
you know, we still didn't talk about mental health then. I mean, the signs were clearly there. And even today having these conversations with my parents, they're like, we didn't know that that was anxiety. We just thought you were very codependent or you just didn't like being social or things like that. We just assumed that these were just normal teenager things that you were going through. Um, I always told myself though, I feel like I wish if somebody would have just told me how to get through this or somebody would have said, Hey, this is how I felt too. This is how I overcame it. This is what I've done. That that really would have made all the difference. I mean, it's easy to say those things in hindsight, but I really do feel that would have made all the difference for me because I got to tell you once high school ended and going into college and still not understanding what I was going through, why certain things were harder for me than they were for other people when really just comparing myself in those situations, I really coped with it in pretty self-destructive ways and unhealthy ways that didn't serve me, you know, and didn't help me grow. And, and looking back, there's, there's even a lot of shame in that, like just seeing like how I dealt with it, but I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know that's what it was. I mean, having those, you know, getting to a point where you're in counseling, you're in therapy and having diagnosed and you, you finally have, you know, answers to these questions. Then I was slowly starting to learn, okay, I really have two choices right now. I really have two choices. I can either choose to stay in this space of suffering from like really just dealing with how hard that is, or I can figure out ways to be well and, you know, how I can function in society as a happy, healthy human. And both of those are hard, right? So it was just a matter of like choosing which pathway of hard I wanted to lean into, but, um, which I definitely chose the latter. It's not a perfect process by any means, but chose the latter. So uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit here on the timeline, but, uh, I'm curious, one of the things that you said there was, I really felt isolated and I felt very, very alone. And so if we fast forward now in the story of, uh, you're speaking to students who many of whom may be where you were, uh, do you, have you had students who've come up and just been like, holy crap, like this is the first person I've heard who shared some of this. And I feel like I'm not alone. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend about this or like what conversations have you had with audience members or even teachers or, uh, people who have said, who have, have had the kind of the reaction of like, wow, me too. Uh, that's exactly it. Right. It's just that really, oh my gosh, I had no idea that somebody understood how I was feeling. And those moments are so like, I can't even put words to those moments. I mean, it's, it's really one thing to get up and speak. And I feel so grateful to be able to do that, but to make space for somebody else to come up and share their story and be vulnerable. Like it's never lost on me how, how much courage that takes. And especially sharing my, what it's like living with trichotillomania. I mean, I have so many young girls that come up to me and like, I didn't know that's what that was. I do this, you know, and that's, That's such a, it's more common than people realize, but people don't know that it's, it's, it's a impulse control disorder that's bred from anxiety. You know, they don't, they don't know that. And, you know, sharing those situations, especially to young girls where, you know, how we look and how we compare ourselves to other people. And I think there's just, again, having those moments, cause I put myself in that situation. I'm like, Oh, this is what I needed. This is the conversation I really needed to have with someone. And what's interesting is the adults that I hear from after events, it's always the same. It's, Oh my gosh, that was great. I needed to hear this message for two reasons, for mm-hmm. two reasons. And, and cause I always ask, what about the message did you need to hear? Um, 
just a constant reminder that they're not alone. You know, like everybody struggles with this, but they like, I like being reminded that even though a student or a teenager I'm working with may look or see like they have it all together. Cause Grant, I was the model student in school. I was an athlete. I got good grades. I got along with everyone. You know, I was very much wearing this mask to protect myself, you know, from exposing all of this hurt and this pain. I was just going along and doing all the things. Right. So they're like, thank you for reminding us that we need to check in on our students who we feel do have it all together, that are the good students. Mm. Like, so it's just a reminder to check in on everybody. So. Wow. That's so powerful. So you, uh, start kind of coping with this, dealing with this in sounds like high school, teen years, and then, you know, college and beyond how, like, what did you decide to do in terms of career? What was your career path? Uh, and then like, when did speaking kind of come into the mix? Um, I actually went into the field of psychology, particularly because of what I was dealing with. And I was always fascinated by human behavior, like why people did why, what they did, right? Like what was their motivation? Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually went in, I was a school counselor for many years in the high schools. I, I actually got to work with teenagers one-on-one and, um, I really started to learn something about myself. Like it was really hard for me to take on those emotions, right? Like we're, we're taught in school how to, you know, desensitize ourselves and kind of back up, but that's just not me. Like I I am very much like, I want to help and like hold you and think about you and all the things. And it really started to affect my mental health. I mean, even when you're working on, you know, making yourself better and taking the steps to stay well, you, you still, it's a, it's a consistent effort, right? You're managing it. It'll never go away. So, um, I transitioned, I wanted to make a transition. I was like, there's gotta be a way to help more people at one time. And I've always been fascinated by speaking. I had always done it, you know, off and on in my career and different trainings. And, um, so that's when I Googled, you know, how to be a professional speaker. And, um, at first I was just speaking on mental health. I'm like, well, I know this field, you know, more so than most people. So I guess I could speak on it. I didn't really lean into my story. And I remember the first time I actually shared it, it was just like, I I don't know what happened. I kind of blacked out. I was like, I guess I'll share this part of my story. And the feedback I got was just, I mean, the people that were talking to me that this is what they wanted. And um, I think particularly one of the reasons I've seen such momentum is, you know, after the, the couple years of isolation and lockdowns that we've experienced with the pandemic, we're seeing an increase in, in the need to support our youth with mental health, let alone our adults. So um, mm-hmm. it's just been the momentum. Yeah. Wow. Um, so at what point did you, because it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm doing some speaking here and there. It's another thing to be like, okay, now I'm going to Google it and you know continue to take steps there. What do you feel like led you to Google something. Cause again, it's just like, it's taking some type of step of like, eh, let's kind of explore and see what's out there. Cause like you said, maybe for your work or for your job or for whatever, like I'm giving some presentations here and there. It's fun. I enjoy it. But taking a step of like, what would this look like as a career or being a big, bigger part of what I'm doing? Like, when did you start to kind of think about that? I think the tipping point was I did a an assembly at the school I was working at. Like I I just did, you know, they asked at the beginning of the year, like, would you do like a welcome back assembly? And I shared a little bit about, you know, taking care of your mental health and self-care. And like, it was just, it lit me up, you know, it was, it was like, this is next level being in front of all these students. You know, I'd never really been in front of students. The speaking I had done had been at like events or workshops, like colleagues, you know, in the, the graduate school setting, you know, those sorts of things. 
and, you know, working. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. So for context, just so I understand, like, is this, so this isn't like, Hey, just can you MC our, you know, pep rally, but this is like, can you come speak at the school and give a presentation? Yes. yes. And you're our, like, you're a yes. counselor there already. So what do you feel like even led them to, to say, cause there's plenty of counselors at schools everywhere who would be a disaster <laughs> in this type of setting, you know, lovely people, but like, should not be up in front of an audience uh, giving some type of speech or presentation. How did that even come to be of them being like, oh, we should totally have Britt come speak? You know, to be honest, I don't fully recall if it was just like asking the counseling department to do it and I volunteered because that sounds like me. Um, I for <laughs> What's really interesting is no matter where I go, no matter what, it, I always point it out because it makes me laugh at every speaking engagement I get asked this by an adult. Um, Brittany, how can you stand in front of people and give a speech if you live with anxiety? Like that gives me anxiety and yeah. I don't live with anxiety. Um, and I yeah. always point out, I'm like, I literally get asked this at every single event, every single time. And so here, here's what I know. And what I know is, yes, there's a lot of things that are very odd that cause me anxiety. There's a lot of things that some people can do very easily that I cannot. Um, but for some reason... Like I have been gifted with this ability to get up in front of people and not feel that anxiety. And I, I always tell people, I'm like, this is how I know I'm living my purpose was because this was, is not an area that causes me stress. It's not an area that I want to shy away from. I actually want to lean into it. And, you know, it just, it really comes down to, you know, being healed and healing. Right. And like realizing that it's not about me, it's about my audience, and I think when I consistently get in my head and if I were to make it about me, that's when a lot of anxiety would breed. But I know that this message isn't necessarily for me in the moment. It's to help the audience. And there's so much clarity around it. I feel so confident stepping in front of young people and working with them and connecting with them. And um, where I struggle with, honestly, is the one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's just... And I tell them, I'm like, I'm super awkward. I'm so sorry. Like, But I'm like listening and actively listening. But... You know, I'm I'm very forthcoming about the things that cause me a lot of anxiety because that's part of the conversation I think we need to have is, you know, if this causes you stress, like, let me know. But this is an area of my life that does not. And I, I really do feel like that is a gift I've been given. So I, I just lean into that. So. So when you did that very first assembly, that's, again, a home game yeah. for you um, with a lot of like coworkers and peers and colleagues and students that you work with. And then you finish up. How did, what was the reaction? How did you feel? I, I felt great. I mean, it felt, I felt very elevated. I compare it to the, the closest thing I compare it to is like, uh, I was an athlete. So like going out on the field, like for, or like going on to the softball field or onto the volleyball court, like you're very excited, you're very amped up. That's the kind of quote unquote anxiety, I guess I'd say I feel, but that's more like positive yeah. energy versus um, you know, feeling like I can't do this. It's more like, let's go. And the feeling yeah. afterwards of just accomplished, but also not because it was like self-serving, but cause there's always part of that, but it's definitely, it was just knowing that impact was made. Like I was able to affect someone with my words and hopefully in a way that will help them continue to grow as a happy, healthy human. So and so even in that first assembly, did you speak on mental health? I just spoke on, you know, how to, um, you know, how to get through the year, you know, how to start the year off right, like different tips and strategies to, you know, work on communication and talking to each other. And this was a school that 
um, range. It was a smaller school, but it did have kindergarten all the way through high school. So it was a very general kind of conversation around like, and also like introducing yeah. your counseling department, feel free to come contact, you know, kind of those sorts of things. But it was yeah. enough to be the tipping point into, okay, all right, how can I affect more I should, people? I should Google yeah, this. Yeah, I should Google this, which I totally did. And <laughs> that was it. <laughs> what do you think though caused you to continue to like, continue to pull on that thread and go down that rabbit hole? Because it's one thing to be like, I spoke with something for work, which is the case with a lot of yeah. people. I spoke with something for work or something for a friend and it was fun and I liked it. It'd be cool to do something more of it. But then you also like, you have just the normal like human self-doubt and insecurities and fears of like, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. Like, who am I to think like I should stand up on stage or I should get paid for it or any of these type of things. So were those doubts just hitting you? Uh, you know, I felt like I knew you were going to ask me that. And I was honestly trying to remember, and that's not like a boastful thing to say at all. I'm not, I don't mean it. Like, I'm like, Ooh, look at me, look at Brittany or anything like that. I just mean, I don't recall really ever feeling imposter syndrome or doubt. I mean, I'm sure there was a little bit, obviously, but it wasn't overwhelming. Um, yeah. And I, I really do feel like this was just like, it was just like, you know, it was just like, this is the way. <laughs> and it was just like, figure yeah. out how to make it happen, execute. And I was just very driven, you know, very like, and there's always been moments of self-doubt. There's always been moments when I, you know, don't get a lot of prospecting emails back. And I'm like, all right, I've peaked. I guess it's over, <laughs> you know, and it's been like a couple of years. And so there are those moments, but um I don't recall ever being like, I do recall being like, Oh my God, am I really going to do this? Like, is this all right? Let's invest. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's, let's do all the things. Um, and it just, it just was, you know, the roadmap was so simple to be honest. Like it was very like, okay, plug myself into it and I'm going to make it happen that there was a lot of confidence bred in that. Right. Like it was just like, yeah. okay, I know the things to do. I will do the things and be successful. And, yeah. I mean, I just, it wasn't overwhelming for me. I can appreciate it, but for some reason, this particular aspect of my life has not been super overwhelming, which has been a blessing truly. Yeah. And it is kind of, it's almost counterintuitive to what you would think, <laughs> because you, as you know, as you mentioned, um, in my normal day-to-day -day life, I, I deal with a lot of, um, uh, uh, struggles and, and anxieties, but for some reason, when I get on stage, I don't feel that. Yeah. And when I'm in this zone, you know, and I remember, you know, you hear about that or you see that sometimes on, I was trying to think I'm like, um, like my girls, uh, that, that you've met, like they love watching like an American <laughs> idol, you know, and there's people where like, uh, maybe they have some type of lisp or there's, there's something in their mm -hmm. speech, but then when they sing, like you don't pick up any right. of that. And it's just like, the, it's almost like this, um, alter ego, different personality of just like, I feel more alive and more, of who I was designed and created to be when I'm in this environment. It sounds like from what you've yeah. said, like that's you whenever it comes to speaking. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it's just so, and, and it's, it's not like, you know, one of the things I love and the, the feedback I get is how, you know, who you are on stage is, is who you are when you're off stage. I really value that. Um, and there's even in situations where I'm awkward, you know, <laughs> or I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm having a lot of anxiety right now. I'm very just, you know, open about it, but, you know, really just living by example of, okay, you know, these are the things that have worked for me. But again, to your point, there's, there's so much comfort up there sharing my story and speaking. I, and I, when I'm talking to our students even, and we're getting to that point of clarity for what they want to speak about and who they want to speak to, you know, 
once I tell them, I was like, once you feel aligned with what you're speaking about and you really feel aligned with that purpose, this anxiety and stress and, you know, nervousness that you feel, it really does transform because it's not about you. It's about your audience. And and you're so confident in your own message, right? Like you're so confident there. Like I was so not hundred percent confident speaking about other topics or, you know, I talked to our students. So like, I speak about this, I speak about this and I'm really nervous. I'm like, you know, that's not your story. That's not your your conversation that you're having with your audience. And once that's aligned with your purpose, it just, again, it just transforms. So whenever you decide like, okay, I want to be a speaker. I want to start moving <laughs> that direction and continue taking steps beyond just an initial Google search, beyond listening to a couple of podcast episodes. <laughs> um, what, how did you ultimately land on mental health? Because again, it, this feels like a topic that um, has become much more like commonplace today to talk about. It's less you know, taboo is probably too strong of a word, um, but it, it's just more widely accepted to talk about, which is a good thing. Um, but when when you're thinking about, hey, uh, you know, is this something I could talk about? Is this something I get paid to talk about? Is this something audiences are used to hiring for? Um, are you also dealing with some of those, just the vulnerability of, dang, I don't know if I want to, s- I don't know that I want to tell anybody, let alone like stand on a stage in front of people and like share, you know, what may feel like deep, dark secrets about, you know, you know, who I am or what I've dealt with. Um, did you feel any of that? A little bit. Yeah. There are certain, there are many stories (laughs) that I have that I, I could share. Um, but I think like one of the things about counseling that was a benefit for me was feedback and working with high school students, um, in the in the state that I'm in with the licensure, there's a lot of red tape with what we can do as counselors and what we can say and what we cannot say. But um, I went rogue quite a bit because I, I, you know, one of the things they frown on is sharing your own story, your own struggles with mental health. But that's really not how I wanted to relate. I wanted to say, hey, me too. Like, let me tell you about my experience. And what I have found through doing that in a rogue setting was how much more connection was made, how much more trust was built, how much more of a relationship and how much more I could break through. And that was kind of really the tipping point. I was like, there's a need for this. Like, obviously I'm making impact one-on-one. What can I do on a larger setting? And um, yeah, so that's really the the goal with the larger setting and, and seeing, sharing certain stories now. It's interesting when I work with decision makers and event planners, often I get asked like, are there you know, when you're talking about mental health, this is a spec, this is a spectrum, right? There's so many different things you could talk about. And there's a lot of things that deserve trigger warnings, um, when you're in front of certain audiences, but you know, I don't share certain things not to be not transparent, but there are just certain things that are more relevant with teenagers that I feel like this is, this is where we'll stay. And I, I always honor and respect decision makers when, you know, we're going through, you know, the nitty gritty of what I speak about. Cause I do want to be you know, open with different stories that I touch on. I think that's important. And oftentimes they will tell me, well, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it, right? This is mental health and we have to talk about it. And I will say that one of the the things that really was a, uh, a catalyst for me with sharing this was this generation is the reason I have this platform. So this generation, like the generation that... um you know, your oldest daughter is in and, and this generation right now, they are the ones that have demanded that they want to talk about mental health. They're the ones that said, yeah. we want to talk about it. But what I have found is they actually want to listen, right? They really want to learn. They really want to, you know, 
feel like they're not alone. And that's my big thing is I want them to know that they aren't alone, that there, there is hope, there is healing, but I want to give them, you know, the tactical um, ability to start those conversations because a lot of times we just don't know how. And so that's really one of the points I like to lean into. So I always thank them. And when I'm on stage and speaking of like, if it wasn't for you demanding that we talk about these things, I wouldn't be here. So credit mm. goes to the teenagers a hundred percent. You touched on this earlier that, uh, when we talk about like the, the speak framework, uh, and getting clear on, on what you speak about, but also who you would speak to your background as a high school counselor, guidance counselor, like it made sense to net, to naturally speak to high school students potentially. But, um, one thing that, that we see a lot with students, it's a big challenge is we tend to want to spread the net as far and wide as possible. And so for something like mental health, for example, is something that humans everywhere of all kinds deal with and struggle with. So how did you not make the mistake that a lot of speakers unfortunately make that we try to help with of going like, oh, well, this mess, my message is for humans. It's for people. It's for everybody. Right. Instead of saying like, no, no, no. It could be relevant to everybody, but I'm going to focus on this, this little, you know, small group of people. And I'm going to focus on that. Like, how did you land on that? Um, well, yes, you know, everybody could utilize this message. Like I said, I get approached by adults all the time. I have been asked to speak at certain events that are not teen related. And I, I, I feel like we can always, you know, kind of go down those rabbit holes and, and do like the shiny object syndrome and be like, yeah, like totally. But the reality is, is that this is the person I was when I needed my message, you know, and I, again, I go back to what Rory Vaden says, like you're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. This is the person I once was when I needed to hear what I have to say. And that's yeah. what. I feel like gives me so much power with teenagers. It also, you know, helps that I act like one from time to time. So I mean, they're always like, Brittany, Brittany's my people. Teenagers are my people. I just connect with them so much more than I do adults. And that's probably because this is the person I know how to connect with. Like I, I am yeah. them. I was them. And I want to help them, you know, transition from that place of suffering from to living with. And I, I do work, like working with adults. Don't think I you don't, but I, I just value, you know, being that person for them that I needed. So one mistake that speakers make sometimes is um, using the stage as kind of like mm -hmm. therapy and kind of uh, I want to be vulnerable, but it almost feels like this therapy session that just happens to be in front of an audience. And so how do you walk that tightrope of I want to be vulnerable, I want to share, but I don't want the speech to be about me. And so how do I do this in service of the audience? Like, how do you find that balance? Um, constantly. Well, really, I mean, the framework with the speaker lab and, and really focusing when I was putting together my talk, you know, so what and now what? It's really important to me that I lean into those because like I told you before, there are so many different stories I could share. I could share so much. I could talk for 45 minutes just about my experiences, but that's not why we're here. We're here to connect you know, and, and bring these students on the, a little bit of this emotional roller coaster, but actually show them in real time how to put these, these tactics together. And I do a lot of activities in my keynotes. We actually move around, we get up and that's some of the feedback I've gotten from different decision makers is, you know, they're like, I love that you do activities in your keynote. I've never seen that before. Or I really think yeah. this is amazing. You kept them engaged. And Every, you know, I learned little tips and tricks throughout my time. Like every three minutes with teenagers, I ask them to interact with me in some way to keep their attention, whether it's like raise your hand or so I do a lot of 
you know, having them connect with themselves, but with others, but always remembering that I'm answering. So what, and now what for them? Because if we're not, then we are just up there doing therapy. Now, granted, speaking is very healing. I'll be the first person to tell you that. But it's healing in a sense because we know we're making an impact. We know that we're helping people like with what we've gone through. But the purpose is to serve the audience. So yes, there is a definitely a, a fine line. And I'm sure we all can um, have seen speakers that have been up there in the whole time. But truth be told, I really don't like talking about myself. So my story that I tell is just to root my points, right? It's just to make yeah. the connection and show this is what I battle tested. Here is where I am. So, yeah. So for a speaker who may be in a similar spot of, I'm intrigued by speaking. I have done the Google. <laughs> I stumbled across a podcast. I've listened to a few episodes. What did you do from there that you would say, Hey, wherever you're at in your journey, this, this is the path you need to follow. Uh, gosh, if you feel drawn to do it, if you feel called to do it, I mean, public speaking is the number one fear of a human being. So those of us that feel called to do it, I feel like there's an obligation to do so is you are meant to do this is invest in it, you know, invest in the program, which is what I did. I got, you know, booked and paid to speak. I did the book, I did the podcast and you know, and, and really just immerse yourself in the experience. And always remember, if you treat it like a hobby, it will pay out and work like a hobby. And if you treat it like a business, it will work out and pay out like a business. Um, and just staying aligned with the vision that you have, but taking the steps and the roadmap, that was the big selling point for me was how simple that roadmap is. It's literally like plug yourself into it. Let's go, you know, and then see success. So yeah, dive in, invest. <laughs> you. You talk to uh, a lot of speakers uh, on a day in and day out basis, just in, through the nature of what you do with the Speaker Lab. And so, I mean, at this point, you've probably talked to thousands <laughs> yeah. of, of speakers. Um, and you notice, like, like, what are some of the common hurdles and themes that you see uh, of speakers that take action, that do something, that treat this like a business, versus those that just kind of kick the tires and don't ever go any, don't ever do anything with this? I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of it I see is lack of clarity in their messaging. Um, and just like really aligning with like, what, what's the reason that you're doing this? I mean, I feel like that could be said for anything people invest in. Like if your why is not connected to what you're doing, then what are you doing? You know, there's, there's not a lot of clarity yeah. there for you, but I think another thing is fear just naturally imposter syndrome, just to your point earlier, like why me when not someone else? And we've all felt that way in some way, in some capacity, so I would just encourage like the consistent working on yourself and your mindset. But we do that here also at the speaker lab. We do, you know, mindset training it with uh, some of our coaches are really great at it and really strong at that because everybody feels that way. But I think that if we lean into the fear versus, you know, using it as feedback for something we should lean into versus oh, retreating, like you're not going to be hurt or anything by investing in yourself. Only good things can come from that if you put the work in. So that's where I see is just a lot of like getting in their own way, you know, and lack of clarity in what they're what they're wanting to do. Mm, that's so good, uh, Britt. This has been super super fun. Uh, selfishly, you are uh, just a, a phenomenal team member. Love working with you at the Speaker mm -hmm. Lab. Our, our students are lucky to be able to work with you, um, but also uh, on a greater scale. Thanks for the impact that you're making with with students and audiences, and uh, being vulnerable and sharing your message with others. So, uh, kudos kudos to you. you. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where can we go? Uh, my website is brittanyrichmond.com, but I'm super active on Instagram. It's my Instagram is the Brittany Richmond. So feel free to reach out she is also uh the face of much of the speaker lab <laughs> social media TikTok. so any 
any, yeah, anybody that knows me knows like I'm not a, I, I don't uh, love doing social media. I know I recognize this part of the business. And so uh, anytime Brittany does it, I was like, hey, if Brittany wants to do it, that is fine by me. So she does a phenomenal job. You've probably seen her in many, many ads in many, many places uh, all over social media on behalf of the Speaker Lab. So thank you for doing that so that I don't thank have you. to. Much appreciated. No Thanks for the time. We appreciate you. Thank You're you awesome. Thank you as well. friend, are you ready to get serious about taking your speaking business to the next level? Maybe you are someone who is looking for ways to book more paid gigs, or maybe you're trying to figure out all the different things that go into building a successful speaking business. Or perhaps you are an experienced speaker who wants to scale your speaking business to multiple six figures. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to visit thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. I want you to book a free, no obligation call with our team. And if you're not quite ready to take that leap. I don't want you to hesitate in checking out all the free resources that we have available to you on our website, including this podcast. So head over to thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Find hundreds of blog posts, how-to guides, podcast episodes, email scripts, proposal templates, and so much more. Finally, I got a big favor. I would love for you to leave us a rating or review for this podcast. We read every single one, and it also helps other speakers find valuable free resources that they can use to build their own speaking careers. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.